Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And we're excited to be on Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, and we're going to be speaking with Norbert Orr, who's our Senior Correspondent for Global Surveys, he follows 18 surveys around the world as well as several regional surveys in the U.S. and gives everyone who is listening to this show a picture, kind of a forward-looking picture of where manufacturing is going rather than where it's been. Lou, it should be another exciting discussion. Uh, I'm, it's so good, I don't know if we need Norbert or It just keeps <laughs> on going higher and higher. But Norbert, uh, we certainly need your input because I want to know what's going to happen in uh, quarter one and two. But we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Norbert, but welcome to the show. If you expect me to top this month, uh, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult. The, the comparables are just getting uh, fantastic. And uh, it's great to see. It's great to see. Uh, our economy kind of hitting on all cylinders. It's not just manufacturing, it's non-manufacturing, it's small businesses. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we've got some issues with regard to trade relationships and so on. But Is that uh, right? Uh, yeah, the, the, you probably heard of, <laughs> will hear about it sooner or later. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> but even, even that, I'm, uh, I, I've got some... Uh, Strong feelings that uh, we're doing the right thing, uh, and if we can bring this some of it to the conclusion, I think we'll, it'll force the rest of it. So, I'm very optimistic about uh, the tariff situation. Well, why don't, why don't we get uh, right to it? Let's hear about the report because I, I read the numbers and uh, they're, they're they're extremely encouraging. Well, uh, if we look at uh, you know the uh, domestic situation with manufacturing and non-manufacturing, both at near record levels. Uh, and you know, when I break it down, I look at okay, what what about supply? What about demand? Okay, supply. People are having to come up with some very creative ways of expanding their capacity. Uh, and they're also investing to expand their capacity. So uh, try, trying to, to grow their business and to meet the new demand levels associated with it. Uh, and the demand is not only strong domestically, but it's, it's reasonably strong internationally. Uh, it, it could be better on a, uh, internationally. That, uh, you know, we have to look and say, okay, why isn't it as good as it is here? Why is the European Union lagging behind, but still reasonably good? Why is Asia lagging behind? And uh, the answer is we're the only ones that changed anything. Uh, the rest of these economies aren't deregulating. They aren't passing tax reductions. And so uh, uh, they're leaving it to us to, to enjoy the, uh, uh, the success of, of reinventing our whole uh, commercial sector, everything from 
our financials to uh, manufacturing to services and so on we're seeing uh, the change that's taking place there so uh, we're reaping the benefit uh, from that uh, we look at him we look at supply and demand we look at employment uh, best picture that we've seen in years in employment and even globally employment is is good uh, uh, whether it's Europe or Asia or wherever, they're in a hiring mode in most cases. Uh, so th that's positive. Then we look at inventories. Uh, same story. Uh, inventories are tight. Uh, customer inventories out of the ISM series uh, was at uh, 41.2, if I remember right. Uh, 41 even, I'm sorry. Up from 39.4. Uh, it's just a, a, a very strong reading. And then lastly, I look at prices. Uh, there's some price activity, but uh, most of it, I think, is pricing power. That companies, uh, whether they're in the metals market, whether they're in consumer goods, whatever, they have a reasonable amount of pricing power, but I don't think they have uh, unlimited pricing power. As we've seen in inflationary periods where sellers have unlimited pricing power and they tend tend to know not how to manage that they they tend to overuse it use their power when they do that so all of the fundamentals are, are just as solid as they can be in, particularly in the US yeah this is uh, really an amazing uh, market um, let's talk, uh, if we can, for a moment, uh, even though it's uh, it's not a moment conversation, but the tariffs, uh, steel and other products. And frankly, all I care right now about is the steel, aluminum, and uh, that uh, whole market. Where where do you feel this is ultimately going to wind up? Uh, I... I've, Truly, the, the more I've looked at this situation, uh, I think the fact that uh, the administration was able to identify the problem, uh, um, if we go back to the campaign, uh, Trump was the only one that brought up anything about tariffs. And the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the crowd just kind of uh, uh, snickered saying, you know, he, yeah, he really doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, but I think he saw something that the others were not capable of seeing, frankly. And that was, uh, if we continue to let China continue on the path that it's been on, uh, it will take a huge toll on us in the future. And it may be 15 or 20 years down the road. But if we let, if we continue the same thing, letting them uh, steal our technology, uh, reduce our participation in their economy while increasing their participation in our economy, uh, that uh, could be a, a very disastrous formula uh, as far as the country is concerned. And well, Nor Norbert, let me to your. To your point, let me just interrupt your train of thought there. Um, the, the fact that uh, we've allowed them to uh, do all the dastardly things they've done, do you think that there might have been a better approach than tariffs in view of the fact that the last uh, six series of tariff 
campaigns that have gone on this past hundred years that they've all failed in the final analysis. Do you think that there might have been a better way to approach this? I really because don't. It's, yeah, you don't. I, I really don't, Lou. Uh, I think that those other six campaigns were mostly window dressing, and there was no commitment yeah. behind it. Uh, the other thing that you have to have to make this work is you have to have a con- an economy as strong as ours. Uh, our economy is still going up. The Chinese economy is dropping. Our stock market right. is still going up. Their stock market is failing. And, right. Uh, if we can't get them to agree under these circumstances, we would never do that. And I, I think those previous efforts at tariffs uh, – uh, we just didn't have any uh, guts behind them to be able to say anything. So they eventually made a, you know, made a deal. Now the challenge that I see, frankly, is uh, how do we sit down with the Chinese and come up with a solution that allows both of us to walk away from the table with a huge victory. Well, that sounds that's like exactly, a win-win. And, do you have that, a rec- that's exactly right, Norbert. Do you yeah, have a recommendation for that? Do I? <laughs> no, but I, could, <laughs> I, I think I could put it together by Monday if they'd let me uh, let me do that. Uh, well, but you have well, our phone number. Anyway. In this type of negotiation, you can't have a loser. And so yeah, China right. has to China has to give us what we want. But they have to do it in a way that allows uh, uh, allows them to save face and uh, exactly right and and be able to hold their head up when it when it's all over. It, it's not going to be a, a, a pretty scene if it's um, if it's simply that they lose and we win because they're not going to honor it. You, you know, uh, the Chinese uh, one one of uh, the areas that I've always been fascinated by is negotiation and contracts. And the the Chinese version of a contract is we enter into an agreement today that may only last until tomorrow because if it's not a good agreement for both of us tomorrow, it's over. And so they're, they're thinking in terms of flexibility is we have to give and take, we have to do those things. Uh, but you also have to have an environment where we have growth in our own economy, and uh, it puts us in a position. Uh, you just said it. Uh, we've got all this talk about tariffs, et cetera, et cetera, and yet you can tell me that you had a really good month in the business last month. Uh, right. That was because when, when we're would you smart. Want, yeah, when would you want them to do this? Uh, you sure wouldn't want it when <laughs> business was bad. That's for sure. That's for yeah, sure. That's true. Norbert, in, around the beginning of this year, I think it was first quarter when we were talking to you, you were talking about synchronicity in the PMI indices across the world. Uh, we've drifted a bit from that, but nonetheless, our economy is booming, and a lot of the world economies, save maybe South Korea, are very strong. So is there a fly in the ointment here anywhere? Well, I, I think, Kim, uh Specifically, our economy is very strong. Others are good. Okay. 
and if you go kind of take take a trip around the world, you'd see North America is leading. Uh, you know, uh, if you if you average out the numbers for North America with Canada and Mexico and the U.S., uh, Canada is significantly behind the U.S., but Canada is at among the highest levels they've ever had. So the capability that they have, uh, they're pretty much meeting that capability. Uh, I thought Mexico would be a terribly difficult negotiation as, with regard to tariffs. But ultimately, uh, it wasn't. And uh, the new president deserves a lot of credit for that because he told him that he wanted it done before he got into office. And so it really opened the floodgate for that to happen. So North America is really, really doing great. Uh, if we then go look at Europe, the, the, if we look at the Eurozone countries, uh, we've got um, – Austria, Netherlands, Germany, and Ireland that are all good and at the higher end of that, whereas Italy, Greece, Spain, and France uh, have slowed significantly to where those four are only averaging 52.6. So that's not, that's not, uh, not bad. But it's certainly uh, not anything close to what we're seeing, and uh, and what the other four uh, countries in there and seeing plus the UK is in the same thing. So, uh, but you know, then if we go to Asia, as you mentioned, South Korea, uh, 49.9 is marginally no change month to month. Uh, why isn't South Korea coming out? Because they've got so many barriers to free enterprise and uh, free trade and so on. Uh, but they signed on early in terms of their agreement, so it should be uh, help them turn around in doing that. Uh, Japan, doing better. China is doing worse. Uh, the seven countries that are considered uh, ASEA, uh, those seven countries, that's Philippines, Vietnam, Myanmar, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, and Singapore. Uh, their collective PMI uh, is 51. And if we go back to the first of the year for the year of 2016, they have averaged 50.7. So those economies have been weak and will continue to be. Uh, the only one I'm leaving out of major consequence is India, and it's at 51.7, but it's had some good weeks. Uh, had December was at 54.7. So uh, there, there's growth uh, virtually everywhere, uh, and usually this is about the time that Lou says, "What about Brazil?" So uh, <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're we're going to ask you about Brazil on the other side of a break. We're going to take right now to uh, get our sponsors into the show. We'll be right back. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, 
OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to ThomasNet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Okay, so we're back, and we're going to start off with my favorite country, Brazil, okay, which we left off at just before the commercial. Okay. Uh, Brazil continues to, to struggle, um, although this month was better than uh, we've seen in the last four months. It came in at 51.8, 51.1, I'm sorry. And, uh, uh, you know, again, uh, Brazil has restrictions and, and constraints that they've got on their supply chains that they've put on because of government regulation, too much interference in the marketplace, uh, barriers. They're a good case for why you don't want, uh, uh, why you don't want tariffs. And um, uh, until they make some major changes, they're not going to see better results. Uh, I think uh, in the last Two years of really strong global expansion. Uh, Brazil had one month where they hit 53.5 and one month where they hit 53.4. Everything else has been lower than that. Uh, those must have been mistakes, Norbert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, Norbert, all the graft and corru- with all the graft and corruption and uh, stuff that's going on down in Brazil, if you get a month that's over 50, you know, take it and run. I would agree they've with been you. Taking, they've been taking things and running with them, apparently, for a long time. <laughs> and Norbert, you made an interesting comment that Brazil is a case study for why you don't want tariffs. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, uh, they have uh, relied on tariffs to keep other people out of their markets, to reduce the amount of competition uh, to do that. Uh, I used to buy uh, machinery uh, for a plant in Brazil, and in order to buy that machinery, it had a 35% tariff on it. This was paper convert, paper converting equipment. It had a 35% tariff if it was new. If it was used, it had no tariff. So here they are in, using the tariff to encourage using old equipment. <laughs> so what I would do is I would have it put in in service in one in a, a domestic plant and put in service for 6 months. At that point it became used and we'd ship it to Brazil with no tariff. So you know how to get around tariffs also. Uh you know uh, there hasn't there hasn't been a tariff that can't be uh uh, can't be uh, circumvented. Yeah. Avoided. Avoided uh, is the legally appropriate word. Right. <laughs> uh, that's been and and uh, the the people doing the negotiating, uh, one of them in particular, the Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross. I, I've been a big fan of his for years, and the, the guy is a multi-billionaire, and he took the job as. Uh, 
chairman or of uh, Secretary of Commerce, and uh, uh, he's nobody's fool when it comes to all of these things. And I, I have a great deal of confidence that he's doing uh, a lot of the right things that uh, that that are there. I believe he and the president are in favor of no tariffs at all. And they've said that on numerous occasions. Is the easy answer is don't have tariffs. But if you're going to have right. tariffs, then let's make sure they're equitable. And I truly well, believe I would agree. You know, you have to follow that. If you don't, you get what we've got. We're 20 years behind our, our, our uh, relationship with the Chinese. Yes, and uh, as we learned in a previous show, and by the way, it's always a pleasure to talk to people like Norbert, and we have Dr. Chris Keel on our show, and we have the folks from ISM on the show. And you always pick up something from somebody, and what we learned about NAFTA is that they got such a great deal in Canada and Mexico because we were trying to get their oil during the oil crisis, and we did not want them to join OPEC. So we gave them a lot of concessions that now – 25 years later, we're the largest oil producer in the world, and we don't need those concessions anymore. So it, it was time to, long past time to renegotiate the agreement. Yeah. Well, and, so, that's the, you know, that's the political world is uh, we, 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 do, we do one thing and don't really truly explore the unintended consequences of, of the other uh, actions that are taken. Oh, that's absolutely politics, yes. They, they're myopic in their point of view. So, Norbert, as we, you look at the upcoming months, we talked with uh, Tim Fiore, who you know well at ISM, and he's on our show every month, and they look at a cycle uh, when the ISM number pops above 50, and depending on when you start that cycle, he tells us we're either in 24 months or 30 months because there was a down month earlier. Of a cycle, then the longest was 55 months. We could have another two and a half years of growth. Do you see it the same? Yes, I do, uh, Tim. I think uh, that, that's completely doable. Uh, I know I've mentioned this before, uh, but one of the best economics lessons that I've ever gotten uh, was from a landscaper who taught me that all things in nature, the faster they grow, the faster they die. Uh, the same thing applies to economics. The faster a cycle grows, the faster it tends to die. Uh-huh. And, uh, now that we are where we are, uh, we went through all the slow growth of the Obama years and built a really good foundation under the economy. And uh, now I think we can reap the benefits of it. And I, I think we're, we're more mid-cycle than we are toward the end of the cycle. Oh, that's great. I also noticed that there are all kinds of companies all across the U.S., I'm not following the globe as much as you are, that are either increasing their capacity, manipulating their capacity, or building for new capacity. Is that consistent in other parts of the world, or has our change in the tax laws encouraged it greatly here? Uh, again, I, I think it has more to do with the deregulatory environment, uh, investment, and changing the tax laws. To you know, if you look at, at what's going on, you know, Costco announced yesterday that uh, they're going to $14 an hour uh, for to, that they're going to pay their employees. 
And, and the reason is uh, because the the uh, income tax bracket dropped from 35% to 21%. And they looked at it and said, okay, we've got to share some of this with our employees, some with our shareholders. We can afford to pay more now. So they basically, uh, you know, I guarantee you, anybody that has a business, and, and you guys know this as well, if not better than I do, you, you have certain standards, you know. Uh, I worked for a company that uh, our, our labor cost was going to be 10% of our product cost. Mm-hmm. And, and we were going to work to that number no matter what. Uh, but if you'd changed the tax code, we could have changed that to where it was possibly less and we could pay our employees more uh, to be able to make that happen. And so... Uh, we see this huge benefit, and there's a lot of other companies that are doing the same thing. What's that do? That enhances consumer confidence, which enhances consumer spending. Uh, and so it's a very virtuous circle that when we start putting money into people's pockets, uh, you know, the, the one one real thing that concerns me is uh, how do we how do we move this to where we begin to manage our debt better? And the, the biggest uh, answer there is we've got to cut the cost and size of government because the, uh, we yeah. can't we can't do it out of social programs. No, no, uh, it's very difficult to put a social program in place and then take it away. That's not happening. But you're right. We. You know, it's interesting. We do seem to be in such a strong position in our economy that the government can begin to talk about how do they manage the debt. Uh, Lou's theory is you just whack off a couple of zeros, and, you know, that's one way to lower the number. (laughs) Uh, That's what the Germans did. Don't give up on that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, I've worked in, and in fact, I spoke to a group in Birmingham yesterday, and, and uh, I told them that, uh, you know, if you if you're going to uh, manufacturers learned, and one of the things this recent cycle shows us is manufacturers know when business falls, and your revenue drops dramatically, you have to cut all of your other expenses to match the new level of revenue. Uh, and manufacturing is really good at that, and that's one of the reasons they ca- that manufacturing came out of the recession much quicker than the services sector, because the services sector still doesn't understand that. Uh, and so, it, it, you, you can fight that rule all you want, but it's it, it, it's the rule. You you uh, you have to match your expenses with your revenues. Oh, you have to survive. And you know, it's interesting. You mentioned Costco at. $14 an hour, and a lot of people were screaming that this company or that company ought to be paying $15 an hour. Great in concept, sounds socially uh, very desirable, except if your business model is built on $12 an hour, you're going to find a way to do it at $12 an hour. So maybe you can address that as we kind of wrap up this segment when we come back from a commercial break, and we'll be right back with Manufacturing Talk Radio. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Excellence. It's what separates good companies from average ones. This year's theme for the AME International Conference in San Diego is Create Waves of Excellence. Gain insights from keynote speakers, including innovation expert Jeremy Gucci, former NFL quarterback Joe Theismann, 
lean author and researcher Mike Rother, and leadership pro Liz Weissman. Witness operational excellence in person at Plant Tours from San Diego's diverse, innovative manufacturing community. Don't miss the opportunity to accelerate your journey toward excellence this fall in San Diego. Visit ame.org slash San Diego for more information and to register. We look forward to seeing you in San Diego. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we're speaking with Norbert Orr, who's our Senior International Correspondent for Global Surveys. All these surveys look uh, good to great, Norbert. Uh, and you have said you think that we're more mid-cycle than uh, at the end of a cycle because we kind of grew out of a, a slow recovery, and it was a slow recovery from 2008. Uh, what's your expectation uh, for the rest of Q3 and Q4? If we had the tariff issues settled, uh, we would be probably looking at at least one quarter of uh, 5% growth. Uh, but with the tariffs hanging over the situation, uh, if we can continue to do what we've been doing right at 4% uh, or even uh, 3.5, uh, those are pretty solid numbers. I'm sure in this fourth, third quarter they'd like to post some pretty good uh, numbers when it's all over uh, in order to posture themselves for the election come uh, the midterm elections. So uh, it's a it's a little murky because of uh, uh, of the the need to negotiate trade, but at the same time uh, I think it's something that needs to be done, and I think we can be successful doing it. Norbert, do you think that uh, depending upon which way the uh, not to get political, but do you think that depending on which way the uh, midterms go, uh, one being uh, blue and the other being red? Do you see any impact on the uh, manufacturing economy as we've been talking about it? I, I, I don't see anything, uh, Lou, that, uh, uh, you know, when I think in terms of uh, if the election uh, goes blue, then we're, they've been stonewalling. They're just going to be that much better at stonewalling. Uh, <laughs> if, if it's red, they've had to fight uh, for everything they've got. Uh, unless they get a, uh, a super majority, uh, they're going to still have to rely on public pressure and uh, uh, the threat of a 2020 election uh, in order to to uh, to get to get things to work out favorably. Well, I guess we're just going to have to wait the 60 uh, the 50 days uh, and see how that all turns out. Uh, Tim? Um, I, I do want to remind our listeners, Lou, that Norbert Orr's survey reports, he actually has two of them. One's called the SLIM survey, which is a uh, look at manufacturing, and one is the global survey, which looks at PMIs across the world. Both of those reports are usually uh, sold at a significant number to uh, investment firms and people who are uh, looking at industry and and willing to pay for some really excellent research. However, they can be had for free if you're a manufacturer and you participate in the survey with Norbert Orr, and you can send Norbert an email at n-o-r-e at strategusrp.com, 
to see if you can participate in the survey. And then uh, Norbert will include your comments. You answer two simple questions, and you get two reports on the deal. It's a pretty significant chunk of research information. So, Norbert, we always appreciate you contributing your knowledge in this area based on those reports and your many years of experience in manufacturing. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Norbert, and we'll catch you next month, and it's one month closer to the yellow jacket. That's right. <laughs> we'll look forward to it. Take care, guys. Thanks. Okay. Take, take care. And thank uh, everyone for listening. Just as a couple of quick reminders, if you're interested in our Women in Manufacturing show, which we call WAM, it is at womenandmfg.com. A lot of great interviews going on there. There's going to be some new developments in that area. And all of our other shows are at mfgtalkradio.com, where we have uh, 300, 350 shows, Lou. I don't know what's in our archives, but it's a lot. Uh, I'm getting uh, engineering correction on that. We're at 310. 310 shows. Okay. I knew it was around 300. I'm glad it's north. And we continue to head north and invite everyone to come back and check out our website, listen to our shows, and thanks again for listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.